Great teachers don't just come from the classroom. They can be found almost anywhere in your life. That's why we, Wade and Hope King, created this podcast to connect you with the stories, the tools, and the joy you need to take education to the next level. Nowadays, everyone's an educator. Whether you chose that career or not. And we're all in this together. So come on, let's do this. Welcome Welcome to to the the new EDU. podcast, everybody. So excited to have you here for another episode today. We are really, really excited about this episode. I mean, I am always excited to talk to our good friend, Bakari Sellers, our brother from South Carolina. And um, man, we're, we're just going to talk about all the things, all the things uh, currently, all the things dealing uh, politics and education, the community. But I mean, I he's mean, a pretty cool guy. He's like a, a New York Times bestselling author. And he is that. He's a CNN commentator, and he's a dad. To, and to twins. To twins. So we give him some cool points. Yeah, you know, yeah, we give him yeah, some cool points. Yeah, yeah. But we're so excited just to chat about all the things with our good friend, Bakari. So please help us welcome Bakari Sellers to the new EDU podcast, Woo! everybody. What's up? What's up? What's up? Thank you for having me, guys. It's always a pleasure to be in your presence, and I wish we were able to be in each other's presence a lot more. Uh, but COVID won't let us be great, so. <laughs> <laughs> it won't let us, but we trying. There's we a lot of great that great. awaits. That's what I keep telling myself. There's there a lot go. of great that awaits. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. There you go. But Bakari, if you don't mind introducing yourself just a little bit, uh, I know we just kind of touched on who you are and a little and bit how of cool and are. how cool you are and mm-hmm. how we just admire you so much and try to oh, be okay. like you. If you could just, uh, for the folks who don't know who you are, uh, introduce yourself to them. So my name is Bakari Sellers. I'm from the big city of Denmark, South Carolina. Three stoplights and a blinking light. I am an author. I have a children's book coming out in uh, January of 2022. The paperback version of My Vanishing Country is coming out May 19th of this year. I have another adult book coming out in the latter part of next year. Um, I'm a CNN political commentator, attorney by trade, practice law as much as I can. You know, just trying to do all the all the things, and I think that the most uh, important things in my life are uh, that I'm a husband and a father, in, in that order. Uh, amen. That's what I say: a husband and a father. So, what, t- tell us a little bit. Just, I mean, you you left something out. You are, if anybody, like we are not into politics, and we don't consider ourselves like that. That's not our world. But as educators, education is very political. I don't care if you believe that or not. Education is political. And and you are someone who is always just cheering us on as educators. You you cheer hoping us, uh, both of us on individually for what we do. But we have seen you in the trenches, especially in Orangeburg personally a few times. Can you talk a little bit about why you are so passionate about teachers and just getting involved in supporting them? Well, I mean, I think education is the gateway to the American dream. And I think teachers uniquely, they have a role that's undervalued and probably devalued in our society and our community structure. It's kind of upside down the way we work. There's nobody who spends more time with your children throughout the course of their more formative years than their than teachers and create, craft, mold. Um, a lot of times teachers do more than teach. A lot of times they stand in the gap. And so my task or what I believe to be one of my 
one of the things I must do with my platform is lift up uh, those individuals who help mold future generations, whether or not it's as simple as trying to advocate for higher teacher pay or moving you up in line for your vaccines or I think that we have to begin to put some more respect on your name, as the kids say. Well, we are very grateful for that. And I'm sure a lot of teachers were giving you a lot of hand claps in their car or during their planning period when they're listening to this. And, you know, that's one thing that Wade and I are so adamant about, especially during this time. I mean, all time, all the time for sure, but especially during this time, you know, during this pandemic and all the things that teachers have had to navigate and pivot to be able to accommodate all of their students and their families. Just so much pressure has been on educators' shoulders. And so we are so grateful when people acknowledge that and recognize that it is it is a lot of work and it is true work of the heart, as we like to call it, because, you know, it's so much more than just just educating standards and just giving, you know, some in, imparting our knowledge. There's so much more that goes into the job. for Yeah. Sure. I mean, you, you spoke, you, you touched on, I mean, teachers do more than just teach. Teachers are, yeah, yeah t- teachers are are there? I mean, they're parents. They are spouses. They are friends. They are sons. They are daughters. But they're also coaching, and they're also involved in the community, and they stand in that gap. Uh, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. Can you recall? And I'm sure you can. An educator who kind of stood in that gap for you. Uh, we, we we know your background. We we've read your book. When we say we admire you, that is the God's honest truth. I mean, what you have done in your lifetime, we're the same age, exact same age, and what you have done is remarkable. I mean, youngest African-American elected official in our nation. Like, that is, at the age of 22, is that right? 22? Yeah. That's nuts. uh, It was an age ago. It was literally like two score ago. I don't know. (laughs) Is a score score seven years or 10 years? What's the score? Don't be putting us on the spot. (laughs) You guys are the teachers over there. I I got to, we need to, somebody Google that so I know what I'm saying. But anyway, it was 14 years ago. It was a lifetime ago, it feels like. But seriously, like I I remember when that happened, I was 22 too. And I was like, who is it? And I was all in a different part of South Carolina. I was like, man, this is nuts. This is crazy that this young man is able to do this in a state that you would not think this would happen. I grew up in Orangeburg. Uh, your, your your father, I know, was someone who you admired, and, and everything that you do is in his legacy. And what you stand for, what you speak on is so powerful. But it, it, in what time period with, with education, going back to the question, what teacher empowered you or gave you that extra boost of confidence to be able to continue doing what you have done and what you continue to do? I like how Wade was asking the question and then he forgot the question he was asking. Then it happens came. often. Uh, okay, so I was about to call him out, but I was like, let me let him go around this circle. Yeah, I was like, what is he? <laughs> I was he about forgot to say, the whole question going? after he asked. I was asked about to say, are we back to the question? We went back. You see his eyes twinkle when he remembered what the question Bro. was. You know him too well, Bakar. <laughs> All the teachers out there are like, there is a student in my class just like Wade. He can do it, but we got to get him to focus. Uh, let's see. So I I had Miss Samuels at, in first grade. Um, she was important because I transitioned so quickly throughout my early years in school. I went to kindergarten for a semester. I went to first grade for the second semester. Then the next year I went to third. So Ms. Samuels was my first grade teacher. Basically, I sat in a corner and did second grade work all kind of, you know, all kind of day. 
in that class and she helped get me prepared. I, I love Miss Teranisa Carter. We called her Miss Terry Carter. She was she was third grade. I, I was a third grader at like, I don't know, like six. Um, <laughs> it was kind of wild. Uh, and she was so dope. She's somebody I still talk to even today. She actually went down pretty bad with COVID, but she's such a fighter. She made it through. I had Miss Archery, Miss Ravenel in fifth grade. I didn't have many male teachers, but I did have Mr. Robinson in fourth grade and Miss Nalampti in eighth grade, Miss Barry in seventh grade. Then, you know, when you go to high school, I had Miss Harold. She actually was the mother of the director of my documentary, While I Breathe, I Hope. That was pretty dope. And Coach Martin back in, in middle school. You know, I just, it's, it's kind of wild because I remember, you know, I can pretty much go through and Miss Miller, my AP US history teacher, English teacher, AP US English teacher, Mr. Trasecki. Um, he passed away recently. I had a lot of, uh, of very powerful people along the way who believed in us. And it was unique because when I was, I went to elementary and middle school at Felton Laboratory School. And the reason it's called a laboratory school is because it was truly a lab. It's where students from South Carolina State would go and do their student teaching. Um, and so we would always have college students doing their student teaching at, at Felton. So we, I was able to meet so many of the young people who came through who uh, were going to be the teachers of tomorrow and still know many of them today as well. That's amazing. So, I mean, all those, though, yeah. I, I was like, name one. Nope. <laughs> nope. He's got the whole he's got the whole list. But I, I think that's a lot of, of, yeah. of individuals like you can so you can many. rattle them off. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's how important teachers are. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely name the teachers who had a profound impact and then those who were simply there to get a paycheck. And that was that was obvious Ooh. to me throughout, yep. you know, my educational years. Students remember students right. definitely remember both extremes, I think, for sure. And so. I have a I have a question for Bakari. We're gonna switch gears a little bit because oh, good. maybe you can remember yours right now. <laughs> I'll, I'll see. I'll see. So Bakari, obviously, right now, you know, Wade and I gained so much wisdom and knowledge from you, and just you know, obviously, we follow you on social, and we know that if we're questioning something or we're confused about something, we can go to Bakari, and he's gonna be able to, you know, he'll have or the information text him. for I've us. I've texted him before. Wade, Wade texts him a good bit, but you know, right now, just the pandemic in general has caused educators a lot of stress. And then, you know, we add on what's been happening, you know, in the political scene, obviously with, you know, the president, the president's, you know, the presidential campaign and inauguration of a new president and everything that went down at the Capitol. And so as educators, we always want to give teachers, you know, something that they can take back into their classroom, something they can use. And so, how to navigate these conversations right now mm. can be extremely difficult because, you know, you have teachers who are mm -hmm. teaching kindergartners, and then you have some who are teaching middle school and high school. So what would be your advice as to us educators as we go into the classroom every single day and we not only navigate our job that we have to do, but also we want to keep our kids informed and allow them to form their own opinions as well? Because I think a lot of educators are like, no, no, I don't I don't mm -hmm. go into the classroom and, and give my political stance, my political views. I'm not trying to push that off on my students. And you don't have to do that to be able to have conversations and educate kids on the facts. So what advice do you have for educators as they are trying to, you know, because some, some educators, this is the first time they've ever had conversations like this with their students. So what advice do you have for them as they're trying to navigate this in addition to everything else that's going on in the world globally? Well, I mean, I think we have to look at it honestly. That's first. You know, many people are, are suffering in two ways throughout this pandemic. 
Um, this pandemic has drastically affected our lives, both from a public health perspective, which we pay a lot of attention to, but also an economic perspective, which sometimes we miss the mark on that. And it's going to forever change our economy. And we just have to understand that. And that leads to stresses, not just in your household, but the various households of the students that you're teaching. Um, in regards to the, the it, we're in a very weird time because I tell people it's like the 1918, 1919 mm. um, pandemic. And it's like the 1928, 29 Great Recession. It's like the 1968 racial unrest all in one year. But we have to be honest. I mean, they, you know, when people are talking about what happened at the Capitol last week, when people are talking about, you know, what happened last summer, you have to be clear. You know, you have Black folk and their allies who are protesting in the streets for uh, racial justice, who are protesting in response to, you know, George Floyd being brutally murdered or Ahmaud Arbery or Breonna Taylor or, or uh, Jacob Blake being shot in the back. You know, they, that's really not the same thing as a bunch of white folks storming the Capitol and trying to overturn a, a just election, killing a police officer, um, waving a Confederate flag throughout the chambers. So we have to be honest with ourselves and like racism exists. And the first thing that white folk particularly teaches when I say I'm not racist, right? So that's cool, but that's not, that doesn't really address the problem. And we have to be honest about what, what we're talking about and the challenges. Cause if you're not, I mean, like I, like we started this conversation in understanding the role you play, if you're not honest with these students as you spend the most time with them, then you're doing them a disservice. Yeah. And you, you hit on that at the very beginning, like no one else spends more time with your kids than teachers do. Mm -hmm. And if we are going to, to trust our, our kids learning and their care to these individuals, to these adults, you have to look at the facts and you have to present the facts and you have to be honest with what's going on. And we are, I mean, we're in all of those scenarios that you just mentioned all in one year. And it's hard, it's exhausting, obviously, for for any educator, it doesn't matter who you are, but as, as white teachers and as white educators, we've got to understand that we, we have more of a responsibility and more of a burden has been put on our shoulders because it's 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 our issue. And again, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a personal issue, it's an internal issue, but at the end of the day, if you have 25 kids in front of you You've got to realize, hey, I got a huge responsibility to teach these kids accurately. And I think it's because just going back to what you were talking about earlier, Hope, how do we have these conversations? This is the first time that some teachers are having these conversations. Well, yeah. it's the first time teachers are having to teach social studies. Yeah. Why but is I mean, so? Yeah. You got, but you got to, well, first of all, it's the first time parents trying to teach this stuff too. And that they too. definitely don't know what they that are. And it's very difficult. But, you know, teachers also don't know. I mean, you know, teachers don't know. They may teach civics, but not understand or not know what's going on. I mean, they might know how the, the processes of, you know, uh, an impeachment work, but they might not know who Matt Gates is, right? Or they might not know who Jim Jordan is, or they may not know, you know, the relationship between AOC and Nancy Pelosi or, um, you know, so it's, even even though you're a teacher, I think it's always good to educate yourself on the issues of the day. You can always have an insatiable desire to learn as much as possible. The same desire you want your kids to have is is a desire you should have as well. Yeah, not not preparing for not not preparing students for your past, but preparing them for their for their future. You never know who's sitting in your class, and just because you may not like current events or what's going on, that doesn't mean that there aren't five kids right there sitting in the classroom that 
aren't just exuding passion for that. Yeah. And, you know, we've had a lot of conversations with educators during this time and a lot of good, you know, debate going on about, you know, whether these things should be discussed in the classroom and how you mm-hmm. do it and if it's appropriate. And, you know, one thing that I've really had to sit with and reflect on during this time specifically, but also during the summer and just in the work that Wade and I have done internally for so long, we did that work just quietly to ourselves. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, you shouldn't speak out and you shouldn't have these conversations because, you know, it's not your job, again, to push your political views, which you don't have to do that to be able to have a conversation, but trying to convince somebody of that, oh my word. But the thing about it is, and the point that I'm trying to get across to educators is your silence also speaks. And so you think that just because, oh, I'm speaking about something that they're going to get a certain feel for my political stance But if you're not speaking about something, that's also a loud and clear message as well. And so I think we have to be so careful as educators to recognize that what we say matters, but also what we don't say and what we're silent about also speaks to our students loud and clear about, you know, what we feel is important and what we feel is is not important to discuss. Always. I mean, I just think that the key to this is honesty. And, you know, kids see through BS quicker than anything else. And you know, whether or not they're on TikTok or IG or whether or not they're listening to their parents talk or watching. And and, and to be honest, I'm completely honest, young young people are way more progressive because especially when it comes to, to social issues, because they've all grown up with someone who's gay. They've grown up with someone who's a Muslim. They've grown up with someone who is, you know, economically disadvantaged. I mean, they've grown up with the entire diaspora. You know, they because this is their new reality, they tend to be more progressive socially and they're so curious. And so that curiosity is not something you should stifle with ignorance is my point. Yeah. Oh, don't stifle it with ignorance. A, yeah, I mean, that's you, you got to do your job. You got to yeah. do your job to ask questions and educate yourself and be honest with yourself. And you talked about growing up. I mean, you grew up in South Carolina, a red state. Tell us a little bit about that and how you felt confident in, uh, in, in what you're doing now. Um, I know it's probably instilled in you since birth, but I know it wasn't always easy. There's a lot of teachers out there. We're, we're just trying to provide them with confidence. Hopefully that they'll be inspired by some advice you can give them, something that uh, just kind of pushed you to continue to do what you do. Yeah, I mean, I guess advice is, you know, always be unapologetically who you are and bring your full self to work every day. I mean, I think that you're there because of the experience and the diverse set of experiences and background you bring, right? And I think that that is just as important as the book smarts you bring or, you know, what you know, the expertise you bring to the classroom. But bringing who you are, your, your real world experience every day is so important. You know, taking your work outside your classroom, you know, it's hard for me to say that because I know you, you get a lot of people get to school at 6, 630. They don't leave till 4, 5, 6 o'clock at night. And then they have to do everything. But, you know, knowing who your school board members are, knowing who's on the subcommittees, the, the K through 12 subcommittees for, at your state legislature. Um, so, I mean, now is the time to really get involved to ensure that you leave the profession better for the young people coming behind. But you also create a more suitable environment, not just for you, but the students in the classroom. So Freeman said it best. I mean, the world is flat, not like Kyrie Irving, like we're going to fall off <laughs> the edge. But like. But like, you know, you're no longer when you graduate from a school in Gwinnett, you're not competing with the kid who graduates from school in Columbia, South Carolina or Anderson. You're not competing with the kid who graduates from the UAE or London because the world's fundamentally flat due to technology. And we have to be sure that we're doing everything we can to prepare prepare our children for a new 21st century global economy. 
Yeah. And, you know, same, you know, when it when we go and we start talking about educators as well, just another question that I've had, and I've asked you this actually several times, but I want you to share it with everybody else as well. You mentioned, you know, earlier about teachers being undervalued and underpaid <laughs> and, you know, all of these different truths about educators and the work that we do. And, you know, for somebody like me, who is very new in my advocacy for education, for social justice, what, you know, a lot of times I feel like what educators say is, well, I'm just, I'm just one voice. And what can I really do about this? And there's not really much that we can change in education, you know, ourselves. The only thing that we really have control of is our students in our classroom that we greet every day and that we instruct. But what power do we really have as educators? And how can we advocate for ourselves, because I know we talk all the time about teachers always advocating for their students. And, and that's one of the, I think, you know, downfalls of the educational system to a degree and why teachers get so burnt out is because they're always advocating for others when they're not being treated fairly for the work that they're doing. So how can educators advocate for themselves as well? Well, I mean, you have to think of that as, a, as an extension of your daily work and an extension of your daily task, because advocating for yourself um, creates a healthier environment for you to grow. Um, and, it, and the more you grow, the more you're, you're, the more freedom you have to pour into your students. And I think that's the way that you look at it. And, you know, it's kind of crazy because this is new for a lot of people. Um, but, you know, the politics is, is very simple math, right? It's, it's always, you know, 50% plus one is like the, the root equation in all of politics. And you have to do everything you can to be a part of that 50% plus one to, to push through progressive policies that help change the, the culture and the dynamic of the classroom. Uh, or maybe you need 50% plus one to stop changes that would be detrimental or corrosive to the culture of the classroom. And so I just, you know, again, I go back to it's, it, teachers remind me of uh, professional athletes and that we watch them from afar. We admire them. We have a great sense of awe, but they haven't re fully recognized the full potential of their platform. And when you see professional athletes come together, uh, whether or not it's the WNBA Atlanta dream and how they took Warnock from 9% approval rating to United States Senator mm -hmm. You know, whether or not you see Colin Kaepernick or whomever it may be, LeBron James, you know, you see these athletes finding their full potential and teachers still are a little bit behind and understanding that together they'll be able to influence a, a great deal of public policy. They could be the largest unions in the country are AARP and uh, usually your gun lobby. And you, you'll be surprised um, the influence, influence the teachers could have if they cobble together, even if it's just one school. You know, one school in one district can sway the way or would sway the way that a state legislator thinks. Certainly that has influence. And then maybe that one school becomes one school in one district that multiplies to two schools in two different districts. And then you have you have two legislators. But that that just breeds that type of influence. And we have to look at it as such. So educators listening, you've got to unite and you got to recognize how powerful you can be. Stop just talking the talk Correct. like it's. It's a real, real uh, change agent that we are not capitalizing on. Mm -hmm. And if we want what's best for kids and what's best for teachers and individuals in our communities, we've got to do this together. And it's I, I thought you were going to just say you got to vote because we've asked you this question before. And it is. I mean, teachers have got to get out there and, and they've got to be updated. They got to vote. They got to vote. I mean, that's been a that's been a, a, a knock on teachers. 
And it's not enough. It's unfair. Teachers have to register yep. and then they have to vote. And there are far too many teachers who remain unregistered and there are far too many teachers who have not and are not participating in the process. Yeah. And, you know, that's the that is the problem. We say, oh, I'm just one voice. So are you just not going to use it? And then what does that what does that outcome have? But the same thing is true. You know, we talk all the time about educators when we want to change our classroom or our school cultures, that mm-hmm. it takes everybody. And so the same is true when we are advocating for ourselves and our needs and the things that, you know, as teachers, we shouldn't be afraid to speak up for what we need, like you said, to create an environment, to create a, a school culture that not only grows students, but it should also grow educators as well. Right. You know, we're losing far too many incredible educators in the profession because of burnout. Especially and this year. especially this year, but it's, you know, just it's it's a common thing yeah. that the teacher burnout rate I think is now th- between three to five years, which is crazy. So we have got to advocate just like we would for our students to have a school culture that promotes their growth and their success, and you know their feeling of being safe in a safe in safe space and safe environment. As educators, we've got to do the exact same for ourselves, or there's not going to be any teachers left to educate these students. And so that's, you know, it's such an important piece that we advocate, yes, for our students on their behalf, but also on our behalf for ourselves and what we need um, to be able to to educate these kids the best that we can. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so important, uh, but I think it's because... As I mean, a lot of politicians and teachers, we are we're servants. We are serving all the time, but that comes with sacrifice. So are we sacrificing everything we have for that servanthood? I mean, you know this better than, than anyone. I mean, we're teachers. You've you've been in politics for a long time. People ask us all the time, how do you have balance? And we're kind of going to wrap up a little bit here. Uh, but if, if I if we could end on anything, when we talk about balance, we know that as teachers, we pour everything we can into what we do. And we have families, we are more than teachers and you do the same thing. What does that look like in your life? And how do you stay motivated to, to continue serving in what you've been called to do? You know, I just, for me, it's, it's a new, it's a new passion. I guess for a while it was, you know, just trying to make sure that my father and mother were proud. Now it's just trying to create a new, a new world for my children to grow up in. It's kind of, you know, it's different the same energy, but different, different type of motivating factors. And so, you know, I'm somebody, as you all know, who takes it one day at a time and, you know, I'm not a five year out type person. So I hope a teacher watching this will be motivated to do that much more. And then we'll move on to tomorrow and try to make the most of that 24 hour period. That's right. So being motivated, live live in the moment, being motivated by your why and one step at a time. And honestly, those are the two main things that we can control is focusing on what it is and why we're doing it and then taking one step at a time towards that goal. Well, Bakari, thank you so much for being on the new EDU. Again, make sure you check out Bakari's book, My Vanishing Vanishing Country, Country. and a kid's book. I didn't even know about a kid's book. Yeah, yeah, it's coming. I'll tell, I'll have more for you soon. Okay, good. Well, we'll make sure that we share it out. But thank you so much thank for so much, just giving us motivation, inspiration, and reminding us to continue taking one step at a time. Well, that's all we have for you on this episode of the new EDU, but we will see you all next week, everybody. Have an amazing week and keep doing the incredible work that you're doing with your kids. We'll see you next week. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Thank Be you, blessed. Bakari. Have a great day. Bye. See you, brother. Thanks. The new EDU is hosted by me, Wade King. And me, Hope King. The show is produced by Chelsea Harfush. And edited by Andrew Weller. With production support from Sterling Coates and Chase Mayo. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. The new EDU podcast is a 3% chance production.